Thank you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Friends, I'm very excited today to be talking to Mary DeMuth. Mary is the author of more than 40 works of fiction and nonfiction, and I love her podcast, Pray Every Day. If you haven't connected with Mary on this podcast, you just go to prayeveryday.show. It has over a million and a half downloads. And every day, Mary just spends five minutes reading over scripture and praying that scripture. It's such a wonderful thing. Today, we're going to be talking about her book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, What Their Stories Teach Us About Thriving. And I will say right now, I love this book. It's one of the best books I have read in a really long time. And I expected nothing less from my friend Mary. But wow, it is really blowing me out of the water. And you will hear a lot of that today. Just her heart, why she wanted to share the women that she's sharing, why she picked these 12. Um, But first, you may notice my voice sounds a little rough today. Last week it sounded a little rough. I was dealing with allergies. And today it's a little rough because I just got back from the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference or the Inspire Christian Writers Conference at Mount Hermon. And I was there doing a keynote address on the last night. And I have to say, I just love being in the company of writers and speakers who are working so hard to hone their skills to be able to put out books. And I've been able to connect with Mary at these types of events before. But let me just say, there are so many men and women that are prayerfully seeking God to bring great resources into your hands. And I love it so much. I love being able to encourage them, inspire them. My voice is hoarse because I've just talked for the last three days. Um, At breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we have a chance to sit with people. Um, They can come and sit and talk with us, and I get to hear more about their lives. And then I prayed as I went that Lord just show me who to to inspire, who to help. So I had no agenda except for my keynote, but I would just walk along and pretty soon there'd be someone that says, would you like to sit? And then there's an hour long conversation or friends that would seek me out for prayer and encouragement. I got to catch up with old friends and it's such an amazing thing to be able to do that, to, to say my voice is hoarse because I have been encouraging people and I have been encouraged. And really what I came away with, although we try so hard to make sure we hone our craft and to work to make sure we're the best um, writers and speakers that we can be, it really comes down to just connecting with God. And I wanted to share a little bit about my, from my book, Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. And this comes out on April 19th. But this just really is the heart of the message of Heart Happy and um, what Mary, you'll be hearing, talks about. These are really real women that she talks about in her book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, and how they connected with God or struggled with their connection with God. So 
I know you're going to love that from Mary, but first, here is a section from Heart Happy, and this is basically right in the middle of the book. I'm just pulling this up. It's from chapter five, and it's from the middle of this whole section too, but I just hope this will encourage you today. There's a difference between knowing the rules of Christianity and personally connecting with Jesus. The Pharisees were a religious group of men who made following God's laws their life's work, but when God walked among them, they missed him. I understand this. One day, I was in the middle of my very ritualistic morning Bible reading when I felt God tap my heart. You spend a lot of time learning about me. Are you ready to connect with me? He said. The answer was yes. I put aside my study guide and simply sat. I closed my eyes and leaned my head against the back of the couch. I pondered my journey with Jesus. I thought of the little girl who had heard about his love in Sunday school and who whispered prayers to him in her dark bedroom, feeling his love in return. I remembered being the teen who attempted to find love, to fill the chasm within her heart, and instead finding herself pregnant and abandoned. And then, when she surrendered, discovered Jesus loved her no matter the state she found herself in. As I thought about all these things, my chest warmed, and a quiet peace fell over me like a soft blanket. Knowing that Jesus stood at his Father's side, yes, also reaching down to me at that moment, caused fresh tears of joys to spring in my eyes. The worries of the day fell away from the forefront of my mind as my soul reminded me that Jesus created me for himself, not for all the things I could do for him. That day started the same as a thousand other days, yet it shifted my outlook. It was similar to pulling back a curtain to allow in the sunshine. I'd been able to see just fine before, but pushing aside the work of spending time with Jesus allowed new light to flood in. Like most followers, when I dedicated my life to Jesus, I separated things into two categories, do and don't do. It became easy to focus on the don't do's and then beat myself up for not being good, a good enough Christian. As much as I willed myself to be joyful, kind, loving, and patient, I could never achieve that goal. And when I tried to stop being drawn to the wrong type of television shows or books, I wondered if I should be trying to tell others about God when I didn't have my act together. I mean, why should people listen to me when I claim to be a Christian and still messed up again and again? The more time I spent just being with Jesus, enjoying his presence and his love, the more I found myself no longer drawn to the media that the world offers. It became distasteful to me. Like how, after I learned to cook from scratch at home, those boxes of mac and cheese just didn't cut it anymore. When we focus on a relationship with Jesus over religious rules, we experience God's presence in our lives in ways we didn't believe were possible. Faith is not a formula. We can believe in Jesus and live a pretty good life. Yet when we experience God, feel his love, and join him in his works in the world around us, everything changes. So friends, I just hope you'll be encouraged by this podcast and this chat with Mary. I pray as you talk, you think about maybe the misunderstoodness of just doing all the things to please God. I pray that this story, these um, messages that Mary has to share will remind us that the most important thing is to just go before God. 
no matter our past, no matter our current circumstances, no matter how people misunderstand us, no matter our misunderstandings of others, but instead just to go to God and sit at his feet. And I know you will enjoy this conversation with Mary DeMuth. Well, friends, I am so excited to have today's guest. She's one of my favorite guests, and I know this because Mary DeMuth has been on my podcast more than anyone else. Welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for having me. It is so great to be here. I always love talking with you. I always love your books. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about the most misunderstood women of the Bible, and I am reading it, and you do such a good job. You mix your fiction techniques with your, um, just your heart for biblical truth. And what I did is I went to your launch team. So for those who don't know, um, authors often gather people who are our supporters to just help us spread the word about our book. And Mary has a private group right now as we're preparing to launch the book. This is pre-recorded, by the way. And mm-hmm. um, I went and asked them some questions. So I have some questions And I'm going to be actually reading their questions because they came up with some really good ones. So we're going to start. Patricia asks, what gave you the desire to write this book? Well, I had an incident a couple of years ago where um, I just had that terrible journey of misunderstanding where someone misunderstood my heart and assigned ill motives to my heart. And Mm. it stuck with me like glue for a long time. In fact, I'm finally just getting over it. And, um, and so I, I thought, you know, this is probably one of the most painful things that we walk through as human beings. And so that kind of got my mind thinking like, I want to write a book about being misunderstood. But then I thought there are so many biblical women who have Mm -hmm. not had their stories told. And I thought, you know what? I know they were misunderstood. So I'm going to learn from them. And so that's kind of the combination. It's a very strange book that way. It's not like any other book you're going to read, but that's kind of the impetus for it. That is so good. And I'm so glad that like you were willing to dive into those waters because I also had like a friend who was kind of in my writing world arena and she was reading one of my books for um, an endorsement. And she, like, I don't, I'm not going to go into details, but she misunderstood me a lot on a personal level. And I just remember just for days lying in bed crying. Like, I tried to explain myself to her. And it was like there was this wall between us. Um, later, we were able to talk through it. We actually, I actually involved someone that works with people for communication and like peacemaking and reconciliation but those moments when you feel like my motives are completely pure I'm I'm like my heart is pure before God it's not like we're trying to deceive or do anything Mm -hmm. and someone else that is trustworthy or that you thought well you know that you had a relationship with misunderstands you it is so devastating so I know that you're not the only one I know that I'm not the only one I know that there's other listeners out there that are like oh my goodness they are thinking of times when they were misunderstood and then I love how you went back to these women in the bible um my husband and I don't argue very often ever but we got into a a heated discussion about Bathsheba once because I was (laughs) like who says she was some floozy you know all the sermons that you hear on the rooftop and I was like I remember my face just feeling so hot and my, my chest is pounding in this discussion. And, you know, and he was more like, well, how do we know? And asking questions. But I remember being so heated 
under over this misunderstood women. So I'm glad that she's one of the women you talk <laughs> about. But it is like it's a very emotional thing when we feel like people don't understand our true motives. Exactly. And I think, um, like you said, when you said you tried to explain yourself, um, I think we've all done that too. It usually makes us look more guilty, which is weird, but that's how it works out. And um, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes we have to be proactive, like what you've done. Um, sometimes the Lord calls us to silence, to stop our mm-hmm. reputation and management. It, and there's no, like, I don't say in the book, well, these are the exact things you have to do when you're misunderstood, because I trust the Holy Spirit within each person. But I do want to give examples from those misunderstood women and how they held their heads up high in the midst of being misunderstood. And there's, like I said, there's a wide variety of ways to respond to it that are godly. um, But the scripture does delineate some of those. And that's exciting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So the ones you talk about, you have Eve and I wanted to go into more, but I'm just going to do a a quick overview of them. Eve, Hagar, um, Leah, Rahab, Naomi, Bathsheba, Tamar, um, and this is the one that was her story of rape, which is, mm-hmm. I think, one of the hardest stories to deal with in yes. the Bible. Yes. Um, the Proverbs 31 women and Mary of Magdala um, and then Phoebe, which I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I don't know much about Phoebe. <laughs> this is awesome. So first of all, why did, why were these the women that you chose? Well, there was a lot that I could have chosen from. Mm-hmm. And having written a book called The Day I Met Jesus with Frank Viola, um, we did yeah. tackle five women of the New Testament. So I did, I didn't want to choose them. So um, since I'd already tackled them in another book. Uh, but Eve was pretty easy because, you know, there's so much foundational truth there. And then I just, I just kind of, I definitely, I just prayed about it. And I had written a fiction, um, a novel for guideposts. I know you do that too. So you understand Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, um, about Phoebe. So I had done a whole bunch of research on her. So I thought, well, I'm definitely throwing Phoebes in there. So I did. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, and yeah, I, I did Miriam and I'm going to do Esther on the the guidepost Mm -hmm. novels. It is so interesting when you start looking into, you know, what the Bible says and then culturally what was going on. I mean, it was like, and I'm sure you felt the same way. I just approached the Bible with eyes more aware of like mm-hmm. what was going on in their time period and how mm-hmm. different things, what they meant and what sayings, you know, what sayings meant and all those things. It's just so wonderful when we can dig into this woman. And I know you had revelation as you were studying their lives, studying what scripture says. Um, And then Patricia had another question. So out of all these women, who do you feel was the most misunderstood woman of the Bible? If you just had to pick one. Uh, um, Probably Eve. I was going to say, I was thinking that too, yeah. (laughs) Because so many times in sermons, all the time we hear it's all Eve's fault and she did everything wrong. And, And we forget that just a simple, boring, plain reading of scripture we find that Adam is standing right next to her Mm -hmm. saying nothing. So the serpent is saying all these lies and he's not like, Hey, don't listen to that slimy serpent. He's telling lies. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there and lets it happen. And then she's the one that um, actually confesses her sins. She says, she tells the truth about what happened. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. She said that she ate it and the serpent deceived her. Whereas Adam uh, blames her and blames God and um, it's her fault <laughs> yeah you well that woman you gave me so he's blaming god because god gave him that yeah. woman 
Um, and then when we see throughout the New Testament, when we're talking about the first Adam and the second Adam, they're not talking about the first Eve, they're talking about the first Adam. And so the I'm not saying that she has no culpability because they equally do, but she gets mm -hmm. a lion's share of the blame and it, it just frustrates me. It's so true. And okay, so as I'm reading your chapter, it talks about, you know, her birthing children and, and wondering, like, when are they going to sit up? Or like, yeah. <laughs> you, there is no one there. There's no mom or grandma. You know, I mean, my daughter lives on the other side of the world. She's in the Czech Republic all the time. She's like, Mom, what about this? Is this normal? Or what do you think about this? And he's doing this or she's doing this or is, is this a problem? <laughs> she's always video calling me from the other side of the world to check on is this child normal and what do I expect? And there's a fever and blah, blah, blah. I mean, all the things. Mm -hmm. And Eve had no one. Like, everything was completely new and you have these babies and then, well, first there's this garden and she wasn't even there at the very beginning. You know, God created her after. I mean, it's just like, as I'm reading this chapter, I'm like, this is so, like, let me just pause here a minute and really think <laughs> of this, which is what I love in your books. Um, it's not like, let me tell you a story and here's three personal applications and let's all wrap it up. Every time I approach one of your books, Mary, it is insightful. It makes me pause. It makes me think. It makes me look at things differently. And so I love that you were able to do that with these stories of these women. Thank you. It's been, uh, it was actually a really great exercise for me as well, just to simply ask questions while I'm reading and to do that before I even do research, just to really ask questions of the text and, and to mm. think, yeah. And to have that insight of, oh my goodness, like this would have been the first time. And even if she watched animals give birth, it wouldn't have been the same. And animals are like, oh, I just got born. I'm going to stand up on legs. I mean, that would not have happened, you exactly. know, and they start nursing. Like it's all happening right there where human babies are so, so much more dependent. They're not immediately walking around. And so it all would have been completely new to her. That is so true. Yeah, we went to the zoo with the kids and they had the cutest baby rhino and it Aww. was walking around and like running and hopping and the zookeeper was there and the zookeeper's like, this is the first time it's ever been out of like its little pen with its mom. So the mom was like super like pacing and nervous mm -hmm. and it was three, it was three days old. And this yeah. thing was frolicking and playing <laughs> and like running up to the fence where we're at. And I'm like, like a human baby doesn't even make eye contact, you know, at three days old or whatever. It's just like amazing. And yeah, so it just makes you look at even all those like ponderings. I'm like, okay, this is so cool. So I might go back and read the text. I mean, there's so much more I could start thinking about, which I love. So good. All right. So we have another question from Lori. Um, and she asked, how did uh, this book help you overcome a trauma in your early life or did it help at all? It always helps. Anytime I read the Bible, it helps. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yes. And, you know, studying deeply on Bathsheba and Tamar, because I also am a, um, a sexually, a, a sexual abuse victim, um, mm -hmm. survivor, however you want to say that, uh, reflecting on kind of their grit and their tenacity and how they just kept going forward, even though they had had the most devastating thing happen to them. Um, it was just a reminder that the Lord is constantly calling us forward, forward, forward. We have this forward momentum God who gives us a so what to our story. And they had a so what to their story too. And, you know, even especially with Bathsheba, who gets a little, you know, she gets her own throne. So she's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, and we see Tamar's probably the hardest one um, because 
her story doesn't resolve well, which I was actually really grateful right. for that because so many of us are in the middle of our trauma right now. Um, but we see that she lived with her brother and that his brother ended up calling his next child by her name. And so mm. we see this kind of like lineage of redemption of she didn't get to have children. She didn't get to have this happen to the, her, but um, obviously she was well loved and uh, it, to be, you know, to name a child after her. So there are those lights of redemption. I think that really helps me. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, you never, I mean, that story is just one of the hardest ones. And um, I, I love that you brought that light of redemption that I don't remember that, <laughs> you know, that, that there was a niece that was named after her. And, you know, we hope that she did find joy in being in her brother's home and being with his children. And sometimes we wonder, like, why do some people have to go through such very hard things? Um, yes. but God was there and she, her story's in the Bible. And, um, you know, I think it's important for us to realize like not everyone's going to have, and here is the happy ending, <laughs> but we don't well, know. Let's hope, let's hope she had some type of happy ending. One of the things that helped me with her was that her name means date palm. And when I was in Israel, um, I, one of the guides told us about the date palm and they stay at the ground for a really long time. And it, and it's, they, then one day just start shooting up and doing all these amazing things and producing dates and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so it starts off in the ground and in the, it's kind of messy and then eventually grows. And I think that's a metaphor for how her life ended. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay. See, I sit here and I'm pondering all that. <laughs> it's hard to have a conversation with you because then my mind is like, wow, that's really amazing. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to another question. I'm like, I don't even know if we're going to get all these questions. They're so good. And so Shelly asked, and this, I was like, now this is a good question. Um, she said, how does the good outshine the bad in a world that still defines misunderstood women by their pasts? Oh, that's a hard one. Um... I know. I'm like, <laughs> this is like totally bringing it back home here. I think it gets back to an internal work of the Holy Spirit and our identity. Because mm. if I still like today, I honestly, I'm just gonna be super honest. I stepped on the scale and I almost started crying. So I've mm -hmm. been working so hard on it and it's, and I never, the needle never moves. And I, I definitely had to go back to remind myself of my worth in Christ. Mm. And of course, that's a small thing, how much you weigh. It's not like, you know, if you have a past and you, you know, like Rahab the harlot, she's always called Rahab the harlot, followed yeah. her wherever she went. Um, but when I stop and remind myself of my identity in Christ, despite what other people do, despite people wanting you to be that old person that you were or keeping you in that place, you don't have to stay in that place. The Holy Spirit is changing you and your identity is secure despite what happened. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. And I think, um, you know, we don't have to worry about like what other people may think if we know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a changed person. I'm following God. I'm seeking him. I mean, he's given me a new heart. I think back to, I mean, just who I was in high school and the fact that like people remember that version of me and <laughs> uh, getting in fist fights. And, I mean, that was like rough around the edges, all the edges, but hopefully like they can see a difference and then they can see that God made a difference in my life. And, mm. um, you know, and it, and we can't control what people think of us. Um, yeah. we can't control misunderstandings, but when we take them before God 
and say like, I feel discouraged today, or I feel, I mean, I'm always feeling like overwhelmed and discouraged. And this is so hard in this world. And I just wish everyone would make a good decision. I tell my older (laughs) kids that all the time, like, why can't everyone just make a good decision? Um, But in the end, it does go back to that heart of just turning it over to God. And he understands us. He sees, he sees our overwhelmness. I, I got on the scale today too. And I'm like, oh, here we are again. Like <laughs> I thought I was doing better. Um, so either whether it's a small thing or a big thing, we can turn all of it over to God and just like, here I am, here I am again. And if we didn't feel discouraged and, and troubled and misunderstood at times, like we wouldn't need God. We would just be right. able to go on our happy way and, and do our own thing. But it just takes us back to him over and over again. Yep. All right. Okay. So Diana asked, how did you decide to characterize the characters or the the biblical women as you did? I think that just meant um, thinking a lot, praying a lot and um, empathizing a lot. Uh, Mm. It was more like what Atticus Finch says in To Kill a Mockingbird. You don't really understand a person until you walk around in their shoes. And so I stuck on their sandals and tried to think, what would I be feeling? What would it be like? How would I feel if uh, my, my, um, you know, my friends, well, not my friend, but my master mistress, Sarai sends me into the tent with Abraham, boy, that would be awkward and scary and feel a lot like Mm. I was being violated. So, you know, those kind of things. Um, so yeah, just placing myself into their sandals was really helpful. Yeah. And that's what I love about that. You are a novelist in addition to a nonfiction writer because you can like do the characterization and really get inside right. their minds and their hearts. And if we can get some type of motive of what was going on and, and those fears and putting ourselves in those shoes. I mean, I'll be working on one of my novels and I'll just be crying, mm-hmm. like crying. And my kids like walk in the room, like what's going on? I'm like, she was going to leave. And his <laughs> aunt came to say goodbye. And they're just like looking at me like what in the world, mom. But that, I think that is part of being a novelist too, is mm-hmm. stepping in, into the mind of a character. And so you have this like rough outline in the Bible. Of, sure. Okay, this, the, these are the plot points, but what I love how you said, like, what would it be like to like walk in to the tent when that wasn't, it never says it was her choice that she had mm-hmm. any say in that at all. Or Rahab the harlot. Let's talk about every time your voice, I mean, your, your name is said, like that's your last name or that's just tagged mm-hmm. on to it throughout scripture. And so I, I love that you were able to take that and really help us to kind of get into the shoes of these women and really, and I know when I, when I go back and read the Bible again, you know, read these scriptures again, it's going to be uh, more impacting because I've taken time through your help uh, in this book to, to really go deeper. And then mm-hmm. of course we're thinking about our own lives too, and we're applying mm-hmm what we're learning in these biblical women to our own lives. And so I think it's just, it's beautifully done. I'm very, very, um, I'm happy you took the time to do this book (laughs) and help us along. (laughs) All right. Um, Jennifer asked, what piece of advice would you offer someone going through a season of being misunderstood? One of the things that helped me a lot during this one particular time I'm thinking about was that I ended up processing it with people outside of that sphere 
because mm-hmm. you don't want to gossip, obviously. So you don't want to like talk about it to someone within that sphere, but you do need to gain perspective because I needed to know what was I doing wrong? You know, is there something I could have done differently? And am I going crazy? You know, cause there's a lot of times when this happens, it can happen with a bully or a predator and they can gaslight you and you'd be like, I, I don't think so, but maybe. And so just having someone that you love and trust, and oftentimes it's my husband, but it's other friends as well to say, Hey, this is the situation. Examine my heart, look at me and also tell me if I'm crazy or not. That really helps mm-hmm. me. Yeah, that's so good. I love that um, that scripture, uh, Psalm one thirty nine. I think it's twenty three, twenty four. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Mm-hmm. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Um, and so, of course, we're examining our heart, asking God. But one day, as I was praying through that scripture, those anxious anxious thoughts, um, I, I got the conclusion like it never says it's just our thoughts that we think of ourselves. Like it could be anxious thoughts that someone else put in our mind, um, mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. not good enough, that we're not worthy enough. And so, um, I've been praying as I pray that, yes, yes. Show me if there's anything I need to confess, but also show me if there's a lie that someone else has said that has caused anxious thoughts in my mind that mm. doesn't need to be there. Right. And good. that has been so good because sometimes, I mean, and sometimes it's even offhanded remarks that, um, people will just say like joking or not even really mean it. I mean, there's those deeper misunderstandings, but sometimes it's something that we don't even need to latch onto. Um, and I have, you know, I have some friends that, um, they'll come back and say, I'm so sorry. When we were talking about this, I, I joked and I'm like, I, it didn't even, it didn't even stick, but they've been worried about it. You know, it's just all these motivations and all these thoughts and all these worries that we have. And I think going to God and saying, can you just help root that out? Like, can you help misunderstandings, whether it's someone else having a misunderstanding about me or, or me having a misunderstanding about what someone else said? I think it's so helpful for uh, for God, for his truth to kind of clean all that stuff out. So very true. And I think, yeah, I'm grateful that you said that because I think that's definitely wise advice. Yeah. So what surprised you the most as you were going through and um, writing the stories of these women? I think it was, I think Naomi, if I was going to choose one that su- surprised me the most, is how much her story has been resonating with readers. Um, mm. I recently had a phone call with someone who said, we're not allowed to grieve. And people have, you know, oh, why did she name herself Mara? And why is she, you know, saying she's so bitter? And I'm like, that's normal. And she actually did she actually did the cycle of grief and she actually did work through her issues and she ended up as joyful and abundant at the end. But in order to get there, we have to go through the grief valley. And so I'm so grateful for stories like hers that tell it like it is. I mean, losing your husband and your kids, I mean, I can't, and being displaced, it's just, mm-hmm. we're, we gloss over it like, yeah, yeah, our son died. Uh, and we just don't, no, these things actually happen to a, a real living human being. And of course she called herself that. She'd be weird if she didn't. Right. And in her society, like, who's going to care for her? Yeah. Who's going to be, like, she had nothing. I mean, now, you know, we can do a GoFundMe. Or yeah, exactly. can, there's no GoFundMe in biblical time. There's no <laughs> GoFundMe. And so I, I love that, that. I think so many times, even in our everyday lives with people we know, oh, that was really sad. But then we expect them to just like get over it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's such a strange thing. Like, we'll watch movies and cry and be all invested in these fictional stories. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, real people in our life, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It, it's just strange that we don't accept the grieving process. Um, I interviewed Jerry Sitzer mm-hmm. um, previously, which his book uh is, grief you know, he talks about is a grief is? observed yes yeah. and talking about it's the 30th anniversary of that book and mm. he lost um in a car accident due to a drunk driver his mother his wife and his daughter all in mm. the same accident and he talks about it was years of darkness it mm-hmm. wasn't you know like and he goes on the outside it might have looked like i was going through the motions and i was doing okay and I love when people share that. I love mm-hmm. that Naomi's story is in the Bible. And she's like, call me bitter. I'm, I'm bar mm-hmm. now. Call me mm-hmm. bitter. And, you know, and then someone like Jerry or something, each of us, we could share, like, this is a hard journey. Because I think when we are going through it, we think we're the only ones. And mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone else at all, they have, you know, easy lives and good lives. And it just helps us to realize, like, man, that was a dark journey and he'll say it still is hard like it's still hard to think of those events because there's good out of it it's like looking at a a mountain right you know when i was up mount rainier when you're in the bottom of it it's huge mm-hmm. now mount rainier of grief is still there it's more in the distance but it never goes away and i'm that's interesting though that that's kind of one of the stories that is resonating most with the readers um because i think all of us yeah through the last couple of years have faced this grieving. grieving. (laughs) We're all grieving and we don't even know what to do with it. Um, And then we're also aware of each other's grieving and grief and this is the hard stuff going on. Oh, that's so good. All right. So as you're, um, you know, talking about this book and, um, you know, you're connecting with readers about this book, you mentioned that they really connected with Naomi. What's maybe one of the other women that it's just something that you learned that has really just stuck with you and resonated with you? It has to be Phoebe because she is most likely, according to scholars, the one who brought the book of Romans to Rome. And we just don't even talk about her. It's as if she Mm -hmm. does not exist. And a person who had to bring a book to another, or not a book, but a letter to another locale, they, in those times, they were not just the carrier, they were the interpreter of a letter. In other words, they would have had to most likely memorized it and then have the inflection of the author. So that would have meant that she would have spent time with Paul to know like how he would say things, how he would elocute his sayings, so to speak. And then she would have to imitate even the way he delivered it. Wow. So so we just like think, la la la, okay, she took a letter. (laughs) But I mean, she's a deacon in the church and she has, and he basically just in, in Romans 16 just talks about her very kindly and and so when you're talking and we could, you know, this could be a rabbit trail, which we won't go down, but, um, you can rabbit why- trail all you want. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> well, I think that's, someone asked me this question the other day that I think that's why we have to read the whole Bible, because mm-hmm. if we just pulled out certain texts of Paul's, um, we would think women couldn't do anything ever. But if you balance it with people like Phoebe, who is, most likely carrying through a dangerous journey, um, the book of Romans to Rome. I mean, this is a big deal book. It's one of the most theologically adept books in the entire Bible and highly important about the gospel. 
And yet she most likely is the one who brought it. And so therefore, and she was the one that would deliver it and elocute it. Therefore she was speaking and there were probably men in the room. And so there's just, we have to balance Mm. one scripture with the whole council of scripture. That is so good. I'm like, again, I'm sitting here pondering like, wow. And I think when we think, okay, she took the letter to Rome, you know, we, we think of like, we put a stamp on it or maybe she just <laughs> a little satchel and she just tucked it inside. And it's like, that is so interesting that she would also have to speak it, share it, mm-hmm. to know Paul's heart behind it. And, and another thing too, we think like everyone reads, like, Mary's going to send me a card in the mail, and which you did. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we just read it and it goes on and like, oh, that was awesome. But this is a different time period and not everyone can read. And then you're giving, you know, you're speaking to the council and oh, so many good things. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. This book is amazing. If you haven't already <laughs> understood that. Um, again, it's the most under misunderstood women of the Bible. Um, and, uh, Mary, as we're wrapping up, um, just maybe one more little bit of encouragement and then share where we can connect with you. Right. Um, I would say God sees you and he hears you and he loves you even through your misunderstanding and ponder this. Jesus was the most misunderstood person on earth. So he understands Mm. what you're going through. Folks can find me on marydemuth.com. If you go to marydemuth.com slash misunderstood, you'll receive 64 statements of truth about you and 17 things to say and do if you're misunderstood. And all of them have scripture attached. Oh, I love that. We'll make sure and get all those in the show notes. And also um, talk about your podcast too, because I love listening to it. Mm -hmm. Facebook reminds me when it's up which i love thank you facebook for (laughs) putting me a notification out there but tell us a little bit about your podcast too because it is such a blessing in my life thank you trisha it's called pray every day and you can find it at prayeveryday.show or anywhere you listen to podcasts it's just five minutes i read scripture currently going to be reading through the book of exodus usually a chapter, and then I pray according to that chapter for you. And uh, we're getting very near to 3 million downloads. So I'm so excited in 154 countries, I believe. That is amazing. And I love how you pray for countries where Mm -hmm. your podcast isn't currently in. I mean, that just Mm -hmm. speaks to my heart. I like tear up every time you do that. So it's so, it's so encouraging. But thank you, Mary, so much for being here today. It's been a blessing. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.